entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf and today with our guest host, Jay Kelly Hoey. Along with Kelly and our executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guys on this learning journey. To learn more about Kelly, check out her website at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. Okay, Kelly, let's get the conversation going. Thanks, Marty. This is Kelly Hoey, guest host of the Business Builder Show, and I am so thrilled today to have my great pal, Lauren Malian, here as our guest. She is a serial entrepreneur, starting with a successful lemonade stand. She's a best-selling author. She's a founder and CEO of a strategic marketing and advisory company. She's an investor, a former model. She recently launched an online course and masterclass based on her best-selling book, The Path Redefined. Thank you, Lauren, for making time to come on the Business Builder Show today. Thank you, Kelly, so much for having me on and for being such um, a great friend and champion and inspiration. Well, it's mutual. It flows both ways. Um, Okay, so I hardly know where to start in this interview, so I'm going to rewind to a story that always intrigues me and I can't hear it enough. Uh, It's um, the story of you starting a winery in Virginia at the age of 19. (laughs) <laughs> where do I what do I where do I start <laughs> I yeah. mean, the um the the short of the long story is that you know I've always had this um this constant drive and this feeling that I can accomplish and do absolutely anything that I put my mind to um kind of regardless of what anyone else might think or say um might actually be possible and so you know, when I was 18, I found this 126-acre property down in Virginia, um, ended up purchasing the property without really thinking about anything other than, you know, the price is right per acre and, you know, the rest of it will make sense soon enough. And in looking at kind of agricultural incentives and purpose for the property, I landed on um, on vineyards. There were other vineyards in the area. The Monticello region was just beginning to catch its steam and, and get some, some kind of mainstream notoriety, if you will. And so from ages 19 to 21, I was, you know, a grape grower who sold my fruit to other wineries that were making vineyard designate gold and double gold wine out of my fruit. And at the end of the second harvest, I said, well, gosh, if the, the grapes that I'm growing are this incredible, uh, maybe I should be having my own wine brand. And I started thinking about what that would look like, what the brand name, you know, would be, what the packaging would be, what else we would offer in the tasting room. And so I very quickly kind of made this pivot into, you know, consumer packaged goods and turned my vineyard into a winery and launched uh, an award-winning internationally recognized wine brand by 22. Um, So we opened to the public with the inaugural 2006 vintage in August of 2007. And it made me the youngest self-made winery owner in the country and was really the the first big step in what would become my entrepreneurial journey and career. And let's just stress that self-made because this is not like you're coming from 
you know, a family of, you know, wine producers or grape growers, uh, you know, your lemonade stand, which I made reference to, uh, that was uh, on 96th and Madison. So this is the New York gal starting a winery. And I just want to stress that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that was a really fun um, time for me to to figure out, you know, what it's like to create a product for a market and to get to know my consumer. And I didn't really think of it, obviously, you know, as a kid with a lemonade stand in that way, but it made me think about, you know, geographical location and timing and offering of my products and services and pricing and, you know, the logistics of, you know, keeping up with a supply chain because at one point, you know, I didn't have enough um, lemonade and, and iced tea um, kind of coming quickly enough. And so it was baby steps. Um, and I never really thought that that lemonade stand was so pivotal to who I would become as an adult um, until I wrote my book and the publisher said, hey, how about that lemonade stand story that you were telling us once before? Let's start there because that must have been when you know, this kind of spirit of you really sparked. And I said, oh, okay, I guess so. So I do think that we all have these these moments where we, you know, get to test who it is that we want to be and that we want to become. And for me, you know, being self-made was just, um, I guess, something that I, I didn't realize would, would become um, associated with with my likeness and my professional journey. But when I do look back, everything that I have done has been, I had an idea, I had the courage, I had the passion, I had the time, I had the interest and I was persistent and I made it happen. So I guess I was, you know, self-made with the lemonade stand too. Um, and that spirit continues and it's important. So I'm going to say, so there we go. For any parents listening to this interview, you know, let those kids have those lemonade stands because you never know what it'll lead to. It might lead to a winery somewhere um, or some other grand entrepreneurial venture. You know what? I want to ask you, I would like to refer to this as the Richard Branson question because it was a question he was asked when he was on stage uh, at the World Business Forum what took place at Radio City Music Hall a number of years ago, and he was asked what he attributed his entrepreneurial success to. So what do you believe explains your continuous drive to success? That's such a great question, and I think that the answer is um, it's pretty simple uh, for me, which is just that I never feel that I've done enough. And I think that, you know, every time I kind of reach a new milestone or have a new achievement, I don't, I don't rest on those laurels. Like I still don't feel that I've accomplished enough. And I think that that is because of, you know, me being a mother, that's because of me having this constant reminder that there's always more and that there's always a need for more. And that constant reminder, um, is my children. It's Jaden and Chloe and, you know, their constant needs and, um, like just their overall development that always requires more, more time, more money, more, more everything. And so watching them grow as well makes me realize that like I'm not done and I don't know when I'm going to be done, but it's, it's no time soon. And so I think that, that for me, it's just this, um, you know, there's more out there and I plan to go get it spirit. 
Oh, I love that. I love, yeah, for all that you have accomplished so far, my friend, please don't stop doing fabulous <laughs> things because that would be really disappointing for those of us who gained so much inspiration from you. All right, I want to jump ahead. You were on the show Quit Your Day Job. Uh, and uh, is there any tips in that now that show we're providing, um, I'm going to say, sort of startup and uh, marketing and uh, investing advice um, to um, some pretty interesting founders. Um, any tips you can share for entrepreneurs listening to the Business Builder Show on preparing their companies to be investment ready? Absolutely. I think that um, you know my experience being on television doing the the television show Quit Your Day Job was um, so wonderful for me in so many ways. Both that it really um, allowed me to take the everyday experiences of what I do in my life and career um, onto a larger platform and share that experience with people who are either looking and interested in becoming an angel investor and wondering if, you know, they are alone or not in some of their, their thoughts and experiences and also being able to show entrepreneurs who are interested in starting businesses and preparing to eventually go out and fundraise, you know, with with what it's really like and what they really need to be prepared for. And we, of course, included some fun and, you know, we had some some tricks up our sleeves and some challenges for these entrepreneurs. But these are the challenges that we showed on the television show that often are talked about and might be posed to the entrepreneur by way of a question or an exercise that might be masked under, you know, quote unquote, due diligence, right? Um, Whereas we were really open about saying, hey, we're going to test you. Hey, we're going to give you a challenge. And so I think it's important for entrepreneurs to always be prepared to kind of stress test, you know, what they already think are the weaknesses in their business or what they are already, you know, ashamed or embarrassed about because some of those things, you know, are exactly what investors are going to worry about and um, find another way to challenge or to kind of figure out how the entrepreneur's decision calculus might look around, you know, problem solving in general. And they won't always be so candid about that. It'll kind of be a hidden agenda, if you will. And so I think that you know, entrepreneurs could and should really watch some of those older episodes and and um, and have a lot that they can learn from there. Because sometimes, you know, on the TV show and in real life, it's simply some a concern about the business model or the revenue model or the storytelling, the marketing, the branding, the path to purchase, what have you. But sometimes it's also a concern about the integrity of the entrepreneur or the way that the entrepreneur might show up in, in the world and other aspects of their life and how that might, you know, undermine, um, their legitimacy as a business person or as a blossoming entrepreneur. And it was so interesting to me how some of those challenges, um, because again, we had some really fun, exciting moments. Um, and I remember we had one guy uh, on the show who had like a terrible social media presence. Um, and like his Facebook profile was, you know, him in a cowboy boots with a cowboy hat and like boxer briefs. And that was it. And, you know, and, you know, it was, I had to, I had to, I'm like, was, were you like the, the guy who sings in, in Times Square? You like, you know, did you have him? Was, I didn't remember him being on the show. But anyway, that's all I could yeah, run through. But it was, Sorry. it was so similar. It was like exactly it was exactly like that. Seriously. And um, and it was interesting to us because it was like, come on, you're coming on a 
television show, you know, that's a national television show that's going to have reruns across different, you know, NBC properties. It's going to be in at least 80 million households. And you know this, plus digital. Why would you not think to go back to your social media profile, at least make it private, at least change your profile picture. And so while that might seem like a personal issue to some, you know, the investors are looking at that as a, hmm, are you prepared to be out here, you know, as a business person? And are you prepared to, you know, show up professionally in every aspect of your life? And certainly people that are entitled to you know, personal social media handles and having a personal presence online and what have you that should be unique to who they are. But there is a line of appropriate and inappropriate, and that can be tested in a lot of different ways. And so I think that entrepreneurs, you know, that are looking for investment should be prepared to step it up. Yeah, that's such a great example, too. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, thankfully, he didn't fix his social media because then you have it. I mean, such a lesson for other people, but it really does at the point you're making is, you know, there is a big blind spot on someone's, um, I want to say, business acumen to sort of say, say, all right, maybe I haven't had the time to focus on this one channel that's going to be important for uh, marketing or business funnel. Uh, but I should shut it down because here's the implications and here's the signaling. And that's the sort of the, the lack of sophistication and business, as I said, business acumen on that. That's a that's a warning sign for an investor or, or anyone else wanting to go in business with someone like that. It's absolutely a warning sign. And I think that so many entrepreneurs out here think that their success is based solely upon what they do with their business. And I I would just love for entrepreneurs to know and remember that what you do personally every single day builds up your thought leadership and your reputation and speaks to your ability to get everything else done that you want to do and accomplish. And so kind of don't shoot yourself in the foot simply because you only think that people are going to look at you know, the ABCs of your business and that they're, they're not going to look at the X, Y, and Zs of who you are personally. Yeah, because we both know at that early stage, who cares about the X, Y, Zs of the business in some way? Because, you know, with so many early stage companies, you know, markets, products, everything changes. Uh, but, you know, who you are as a person doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Beyond quit your day job, um, you have worked um, with an incredible range of companies from Fortune 500 to, yes, as we've talked about startups. Um, is there any uh, marketing tips from your experience in the luxury brand market in that, in that world that a small business, we have a lot of small business owners who listen to the Business Builder Show. Is there anything that you would advise them and sort of, hey, think like a luxury brand um, so that they can claim a share of the market that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. So I think two tips for um, small business owners, um, especially those that are focused on the luxury market, is to make sure that all of your storytelling, your narrative, the look, feel, tone, um, the production value of everything that you do stays as high as possible and that it's consistent. So I shouldn't see a beautiful video and then read an email newsletter that has copy that seems disjointed from the overall look and feel and kind of brand DNA of your business, um, and that those themes continue to flow through. And I think that as we're going now more and more into digital, um, making sure that we 
have multiple opportunities to continue to share core messaging and calls to action is really important. You know, so if there's something that's in a video, it should be, you know, spoken on or touched on again in a social media post and a blog post and an email newsletter. Um, And you should continue to kind of stick with that messaging and have, you know, a cadence of, um, you know, your kind of campaign cycles or your messaging points, whether that is weekly or biweekly or monthly, but that you give your company and your brand a cycle by which you allow people to latch on to these key messaging points and calls to action because one touch point is not enough. Two or three is even not enough. Um, And I think the second thing is that we are seeing a different path to purchase for what I like to call the connected consumer, right? And so the connected consumer um, is also the luxury consumer now because we are having more and more opportunities for luxury goods and services to be purchased online or through social. Um, And so making sure that you understand the path to purchase for the connected consumer is really important. Um, And oftentimes the connected consumer is making their purchase decision without even making and taking that really deep dive into everything else. So those landing pages are so important because right where you have that purchase button is where that decision is going to happen or you're going to perhaps lose them. And then what's even more important is that after they make that purchase until they get their item or have their experience, that they have a constant conversation with the company. We have a constant conversation with the brand about what to expect, about how to utilize it in their life going forward or when to get it again or what have you. But that that constant communication guides them to keeping and maintaining um, and establishing a relationship directly with the company. And that's where we get into this DTC kind of direct to consumer space is like, what are we doing as brands, um, as storytellers, as stewards of our brands and stewards of our experiences that we are bringing to consumers to allow them to feel connected to us and, and we'll keep them with us and keep them loyal as opposed to going to another brand that might offer something similar. And then I guess I'll kind of add in a third very quickly, which is just, it's so important to have and create your own brand. And I know we hear about it a little bit, but I can't talk about it enough, how important it is to make sure that everyone is establishing their own connection to the consumer and to the client through their own database and not relying as much on third parties. And it's so easy to kind of build a business on top of something that's already pre-existing, you know, whether that be a social media network or what have you. But imagine if that network is no longer there or that algorithm changes tomorrow, what happens to your business? And do you own that outcome? And do you have the ability to do or change or say something that can materially change the outcome? And the answer is no, not unless you own the platform you own the settings, you own the servers and the bells and whistles. So never stop investing in your core business and your core connection to the consumer, whether that be your email list, um, your database, what have you. Um, and then we, we know that we're moving into voice, um, you know, Alexa, Google Home. And if we don't have brands that are clear and established and already the first choice of consumers, there is soon going to be a world where the defaults of of voice give us another product when we ask for, you know, a facial cream or, you know, a pair of headphones, unless 
unless our Alexa or Google Home system knows what our first choice is, there is soon going to be a default that gets all of that business. So build your brand, build your brand, make your value to the consumer known as often as you possibly can. Boom. That was unbelievable. Yeah, boom is right. (laughs) We're like sitting, Marty, you're there. I'm going to wait to get out of your speech. (laughs) Off the floor. Like seriously, all I was thinking, as soon as you said about voice, I'm thinking, oh yeah, right. Whatever your business is, you want to be, so to speak, the band-aid. You want to be that strong of a brand because I'm thinking, yeah, with voice now, if you're ordering, I mean, band-aid is a brand name. You know, bandages or, you know, elastic, you know, plasters is what those things really are. But we refer to them all as band-aid. You can just really blow out everything else in a category if you are the brand that comes out of, you know, top of mind, tip of the tongue, all that kind of stuff. Marty, what do you got there? Well, what really hit me, because we deal with uh, small, mid-sized businesses, and there are still people making that mistake, Lauren, that you pointed out in in your third third, uh, part there, is they're still relying on a social media platform to get the word out and sell products. And that can change anytime. And I've seen business models be destroyed, smaller businesses, because they relied on a particular uh, social media platform. That's such a mistake that people continue to make. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny, uh, <laughs> though it's not the question. I think it's a really good um, kind of food for thought for some of the listeners here is that I was asking um, I was asking my my husband the other day. I said, "Hum, I wonder how many people are out here spending more money than they make. And he said a lot. And he knew exactly what I was getting at. And what I was getting at is how many people are out here building business, um, you know, on top of an existing platform, online, social media, what have you, where you can throw so much advertising money at something. And whether you really have the money to throw at it or not, you do it with this level of confidence because you know that there is a high likelihood or some sort of predictable percentage that you get X of it back, right? You're going to get at least what you put in it back and then maybe 10%, right? Or maybe 20%. And so if you're spending $10,000 on, you know, advertising online, but you know that you're going to make 12, you're spending 10 to make two, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of people out there that are in this place. And I'm not saying that it's a bad place to be because it creates a lot of, of entry points for people who want to be entrepreneurs, who, you know, had a lot of doors kind of closed to them before, you know, before the internet of things and before social media. Um, but it's a great starting point, but it cannot be, and it should not be your entire business. Amen. Yeah. You're building someone else's business, not your own. Um, just amazing stuff. Let me remind people that we are talking to entrepreneur and so much more, uh, Lauren Malian. Lauren, where is the best place for people to find out all about you? So online, uh, laurenmylan.com. I do have my complete course on the Path Redefined launching soon as well. All that information is on laurenmylan.com. And then I'm at Lauren Mylan on social media everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Um, And so I love connecting with people and hearing your questions. And especially in building this course, it's so important for me to be able to know exactly what people need and to be able to deliver information on that. I feel like I, I have no shortage of, you know, isms, stories, anecdotes, tips, tools, and strategies to share. But I want to make sure that I'm sharing really, truly what people need um, when and where they need it most. So I look forward to hearing from from all of you, especially in response to today's episode um, 
on the Business Builder Show about like, what do you need in your business to win? Because I really want everyone to win. There's enough room at the table for everyone to win and everyone to eat, you know, a really good meal and, and pop bottles and celebrate. And so we should all, you know, move to a space and a place where we can do that because it's possible. And so we're also moving into, you know, a place in business where I, I think people are embracing collaboration over competition. And I think that that's so important because Kelly, I know you, you've seen just as much as I have, how many of these brands and businesses come to mind and they are, you know, they are, duplicative of something that we've already seen or experienced. And it's just like, well, man, if you guys just band together, you wouldn't need to have five tentacles to your business. Um, you wouldn't need to worry about assembling a team because these people over here are, are kind of, you know, the yin to your yang. And if we saw more people collaborating, um, maybe we'd be more powerful together. And so I think when I think of this, I, I go back to when I started investing in tech startups and someone said to me, you know, do you want the whole pizza pie for $20 or do you want a percentage of the $200 pie? And um, I just wish that people would be more focused on building, you know, bigger opportunities regardless of, of how big their share of the pie is um, because that small sliver of something really big and powerful will be much more meaningful and profitable and lead to, you know, higher levels of success than trying to kind of keep it all to yourself and limit how big you can possibly be. Amen to that. Um, you know, whether it's your own venture or helping other people, you know, we, we don't go it alone. And the more we can realize that the world only gets bigger when more of us succeed. Um, you mentioned your book, you mentioned your masterclass, and I want to kind of finish out our interview today talking about both of those things. Um, first of all, your best-selling book, The Path Redefined. Do you want to explain the subtitle for everybody? <laughs> so the subtitle is Getting to the Top on Your Own Terms, and it is something that I am passionate about. You know, I have found success in every single industry I have entered. Um, and most often, in fact, every single time, the industry is dominated by people who um, represent everything that I do not um, or that have a lot of things that I don't have. You know, I don't have an Ivy League education. I went to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology, which is prestigious if you're going into fashion. It's not prestigious in the world of technology or venture. Um, you know, it's prestigious maybe in, in fashion marketing and, and branding. But um, I don't think that any of those labels ever stop us from accomplishing our our dreams and from succeeding in our goals. Um, and so for me, getting to the top on your own terms is what I feel that I have done, but I don't think that I'm unique in that ability. I think that everybody out here can find what makes you unique, can embrace the boldness of your voice, can be unapologetic in the way that you show up armed and equipped with expertise and excellence and ready to get the job done. And I want to allow everyone that opportunity to to figure out how to put the pieces together because I find that so many people are not afraid of working hard. They need some guidance on how to take all of their hard work and plug it into the areas and aspects of their life that's going to give them the opportunities that they want to experience and that they feel that they deserve. And so you know, there's a bit of a puzzle there and it can be more of a maze for some people than it needs to be. And so I hope that, you know, the path redefined as a book and a resource and now 
through my course as well will allow everyone to get to the top on their own terms because the hard work is is kind of the easy part. Like the sweat equity is the easy part. And making sure that that translates into your next opportunity can be a little bit more difficult. Well, and I'm going to say when you're, when you're doing it on your own terms, you're not looking over the shoulder uh, to see where everybody else is or you're not comparing yourself. You're understanding that yeah, this is my path uh, and the staying focused on your own path is how you get over the finish line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want everyone to get to the finish line and pass it on their own terms. Like I hear from too many people that are told they can't, there, there's no room, there's no seat at the table, they doubt if they can do it, they don't have the proper, you know, pedigree or, you know, their experience doesn't match to a T something else. And I have to say some of my best hires in my entire career have been people that have not been um, experienced in the exact role that I'm hiring for, but who have tons of passion, tons of grit, who are not afraid to work hard, who are persistent and dedicated and want to win and, and, you know, succeed more than anything else. And those are the people who show up and show out and who find success every single time on their own terms. (laughs) Just how I like it. That's the way it should be. Uh, Remind everyone again, Lauren, what your website is and your social media media handles so they can find the book, they can find you, they can find uh, your masterclass um, and all this boom insights you're dropping here today on the Business Builder Show. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I believe in living hashtag the path redefined um, everywhere on social. And then I'm at Lauren Mylan, L-A-U-R-E-N-M-A-I-L-L-I-A-N. So find me everywhere on social at Lauren Mylan and laurenmylan.com. I would love to hear from you guys and help you win in life and career. Um, there's so much that goes into it. And, and Kelly, I know you know, but I believe that our support system, our family, our friends are also so um, so pivotal and important to the success that we're able to create in our lives because we cannot do it alone. Definitely not. And of course, I have to ask you the jerky question because I get asked it all the time. When's the next book? Um, I don't know. TBD. Soon, 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 soon. I'm I'm actually thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And going through the process of building this course is really helping me, helping me figure that out as well. Um, I think the the next book can take a few different iterations and I'll soon figure it out and there'll be something out in the world in the next, I don't know. I don't want to commit, but the the next year and a half or so, I'm sure something else will be out in the world, if not a new edition of The Path Redefined with some, with some great updates. All right. Well, we we want you back on the Business Builder Show, uh, you know, if not before then, but definitely when that happens. Um, As always, my friend, thank you for dropping some amazing insights and being a guest today on the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Thank you so much for having me, Marty and Kelly. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, Lauren, so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. 